0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor. And this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest, a man who I've known for maybe a couple of years now, a man who is rapidly becoming one of my favourite people around the progressive community, Mr. David Siegler. So welcome, David. How are you? Oh, Peter, what
1: a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. Well what I
0: mean, it. You're absolutely charming. And I just love your stage presence. I've seen you training and presenting multiple streams of property income events and other events and I just think you have this lovely charming style on stage which I adore. Well thank you. I'm a big fan of yours David so it's absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Delighted to be here, almost overwhelming, thank you. (laughs) Thank you too. So David, here we are, progressive, talking about property, you're a trainer, I'm a trainer. Two years ago you weren't a trainer, what's happened? How did you suddenly find yourself on stage? Yeah, very interesting. So the key to it was I
1: attended the um, Expert Speaker Revolution course, okay. five-day course. Yep. Back in January twenty fifteen. Yep. And uh, I came off the course transformational, really. I, I had never done any pu- public speaking before that. Right. I wanted to speak, Pete. I wanted to share my knowledge. I thought I had a message to help my fellow. Property professionals on their journey. Yeah. But I didn't have anywhere to speak. Okay. And then when you start out, you, you have to go looking. You, go, you do the small rooms, the network meetings, you take the 20, 20 minute slot, the first slot. We've all, we've all been to property network meetings, we know how it rolls. So, uh, and I drove all over the country because it was really what I wanted to do. That's mm. what I wanted to do.
0: So, taking a step back, interesting you just mentioned helping your fellow property professionals. So let's talk about your journey in property. Cool. So how long have you been in property?
1: Well, it was all a mistake, really.
0: <laughs> a terrible <laughs> right. mistake. <laughs> right. In
1: 1977, I made my first error, Peter. Okay. Uh, in those days, I was a retailer. Yep. And we got the opportunity of buying one of the properties that we were trading from. Uh-huh. And I didn't know anything about property, didn't know how to invest and what to do. But I did know that if you invested in property, then over five, ten years, it could transform your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. And so we pursued the opportunity and we bought a retail unit with office space above. And that was our first investment.
0: Right. And that was the shop you were trading from?
1: It was one of the shops we were trading from. And where where was that? It was in Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Okay. Yeah. I've Yeah. I've not... really mention Portsmouth to anyone on my journey. You haven't, you uh, kept
0: that quiet. So you bought the retail unit, you had offices over. So what did you do with the offices, presuming you let them out? This is how educated I was in mm. property. I left them empty for 20 years. For 20
1: years. For, <laughs> okay. 20 years. Right,
0: so you've probably missed out on a bit of cash flow there, David.
1: Well, yeah, but I, yeah, I was all into the retail thing. You yes. know, we didn't realise that this was uh, uh, something we could earn money out of. And yeah. then in 1997... Yeah. I did what I now understand to be a commercial conversion, but we didn't call it that at the time, right? So we converted the offices into three flats. uh-huh We still have the flats. yes, yeah. uh, two, two beds and a one bed.
0: right, so I've got to ask the question I've got to ask two questions. Firstly, what what line of retail were you in?
1: Oh, well, we were in clothing, so my dad, yeah, God rest his soul started. He was the self-styled shirt king of Portsmouth. Fantastic. I know, yeah. I know. I suppose I was technically the shirt prince. <laughs> and, um, but we, it wasn't about shirts. It was jeans, t-shirts, young people's stuff, yeah. sportswear, trainers, yeah. Ralph Lauren, all that sort of stuff as yeah. the years went by.
0: And for the listeners who can't see you, you're actually sporting a really nice progressive style stripy shirt today. So you obviously know where to get them. eBay. Okay, (laughs) Okay. So that's the first question. The second question is you had 20 years where you weren't collecting rent on the offices and then suddenly you turn it into three flats. That sounds like sort of quite a quantum leap in terms of mindset and seeing the opportunity. The opportunity has been there for years but not seen. What suddenly changed?
1: Several of my friends from the retail area of my life
0: started investing
1: in property. And the 90s were a really good time. There was a significant growth. Uh, Finance was pretty straightforward. Once you got to 94, 95, 96, the market was growing. Mm. And I just watched it happening. And uh, one of my pals in particular was buying uh, bedsits, studio flats in Brighton. Mm. And uh, he had been in clothing. But he started buying these in Brighton. Benson flats at that time in Brighton, he was paying fifteen grand. Oh wow. Yeah, I know, but it was a market rate. Yes. That's how much they were worth. And we were tutting and thinking, mm. saying to each other, Oh, he's not doing anything special. Then he paid twenty grand and we mm. kinda laughed, mm. sniggered, mm. we paid twenty. Mm. Then he paid twenty-five, we really laughed. Mm. When he got to thirty grand, it went hoots of division, yeah. right? Yeah. But of course now, studio flat in Brighton, well over a hundred grand. Yeah. And uh, that was the inspiration really. So we started to look around at our own assets and we had, at that point, several retail units with rooms above.
0: okay. And we converted them into uh resi. So right, this became a bit of a pattern. Yep. You saw an opportunity and you started replicating it. Indeed. Which is a fantastic thing for, pe- for one to do. Find, the, find something that works and just keep repeating it. Yes. Don't keep reinventing the wheel, go for the winning formula.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had to finance this stuff. Mm. And some of it was quite technical because they weren't self-contained. The entrance to the flat was actually through the shop. Mm. Obviously, we couldn't have residential tenants Mm. accessing through the shop, especially on the Sunday if we were shut. That would have been difficult. (laughs) Um, So there was a bit of redesign going on. And I didn't know anything, Peter. I didn't really know what I was doing. We went through planning. We had to go through that. We went through building regs. We did all of that stuff. Uh, no permitted development at that point. Mm. So that's what we did.
0: Yeah, but a great journey you're learning your trade, learning the basics, the foundations.
1: It, it's surprising how much you learn. Mm. You know, I didn't realise, for instance, being a retailer, I didn't realise how, how much I'd learnt about commercial leases over mm. that period, mm. what to look out for, what
0: not to look mm. out for. Mm. Okay. So this is really interesting. So this is a number of shops, one in Portsmouth, where, where was the chain, if we can call it that? Where, where, where else were you located?
1: Okay, so we've got three in Portsmouth. Okay, There's one in Havent, mm. uh, which is also in Hampshire. We had one in Fairham, uh and one in Worthing. Okay. That's where we are now.
0: So a fairly dominant position then on the south coast with your retail chain.
1: Yeah, that's where we were, yes. Okay. Sort of secondary sites. But the problem was over the years those sites changed. The big stores moved out. You know, at one point we'd have a an M&S or a Woolworths in the parade, and mm. then they're now gone. Mm. So those, from a retail point of view, and they've got sort of rather tertiary, mm. rather down-at-heel type mm. shopping
0: mm. parades. A very interesting point, sort of going off it on their side, really. But this is one of the reasons why, when people tell me they're going to get into commercial property instead of residential property, I kind of look at them and say, well, what's your experience? What's your knowledge? Because that can happen with commercial. Whereas I expect that the flats over the commercial you just keep letting them. That doesn't change, does it?
1: Well, if anything, um, the tail is now wagging the dog in those sort of mm. um, parades of shops because the, the open market rent for the retail space has declined in mm. those sort of areas. Mm. Now, if you're prime, if you're central, it's a different game, I'll get that. But that's not where these are. Mm. And yet the rent on the flats over the years has steadily mm. gone up. We, we've been able to add value. And of course, since I've come to Progressive, uh, I've been shown several tricks that I've been missing, mm. and we've, we've added even
0: more value to the residential part. Okay, that's interesting. The, we'll maybe come back to that a bit later. Yeah. But that's that's my prejudice, and I'm not saying I'm right when everybody else is wrong, but that's just my prejudice. That's why I love residential property and favour that over commercial property right. for that very reason. Interesting. So the shops are uh, there that you're trading. Yep. You've got the flats over the top. Yep. And that's all going well, but yep. at some stage, you must have gone into property on in, in a much bigger scale, because obviously yes. I know what you do now. Yes. So what was the journey from then to what you're doing now, David? Now, well, the journey
1: was literally up the M6, Peter. <laughs> That's where it went. Yeah. A lot of people say to me, you live in Brighton, how did you finish up in Manchester? Yeah. And my business partner had a daughter, has a daughter, who went to Manchester University, fell in love, wanted to stay when mm. she finished. Mm. So he rented her a house in ashton underline mm-hmm. at that point, he was paying 400 pound a month rent. And he went and did the parents weekend thing, you know, they go and stay. And he looked in the paper and he could buy the house next door at that point for 35 grand. Mm. So uh, the girls went shopping for the weekend, I don't know, shoes, handbags, stuff like that. Uh, David went shopping, bought a house. Mm. And he started buying these things and buying these things like Kit Kats. And he said to me, you've got to come.
0: Just to be clear, David's also the name of your partner, David. business partner. My,
1: my business partner's David, I'm David. We're not very good at names, Pete. We're not very uh, creative. <laughs> so we trade as David and David. Yes. 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 Right. Um, so he said, you've got to come. I said, no, I don't want to come. I've seen it on the telly. It's up north, Coronation Street. Oh, it's not for me, really. So eventually he dragged me up the M6, and it took me about 45 minutes to get into the swing of this thing. <laughs> There's, um, there's an old style estate agent in ashton Underline called Taylor & Wood. They're still there, double-fronted shop. And we walk in towards them, see if, what stock they had. And these two guys rolled out onto the pavement and they're having a fight in the middle. We sort of stepped over them, went inside, said, what's going on? Ah, well, the gentleman underneath, he's just bid £40,000 for this house. And the gentleman who's now on top has bid 41. So they've stepped outside to uh, settle it in their own way. And um, I thought, (laughs) this sounds a bit of fun. And uh, it all started from there, really. Right. So we started buying stuff. Finance was very different. It was very easy to do then. And then uh, when it got to the point where we couldn't fund any more, Uh, We started introducing friends, because we didn't want to lose the contacts, the sourcing Mm. contacts, Mm. That that was the key.
0: Right, okay. So this is quite a big jump. You've gone up the M6, you've never been up north, or you wished you hadn't if you had, by the sounds of what you're saying, and suddenly you're buying properties. Now, apart from the fact that David has bought one for his daughter, and he's looked at the one next door, how did you get to know the area? How did you start to spot what the deals were? How did it all begin to sort of put itself together as a process and a system that you were comfortable with?
1: Well, it was hard yards, Peter. We made some mistakes, if I'm Mm. brutally Mm. honest. Mm. Uh, We thought we did due due diligence. I thought I did my due diligence. But we did start buying in the wrong areas, very heavily dependent on housing benefit. I didn't know much about housing benefit at that point. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to work in housing benefit areas. If I'm honest, as a Mm. Southern investor, I wanted working people with Mm. guarantors. Mm. Um, But we made those commitments. So we were learning by our mistakes. I wasn't educated. I didn't Things like progressive property, they didn't exist. Mm. These wonderful network Mm. rooms didn't exist. So Mm. we were very much self-taught, learning by mistakes. I've got houses sort of my wife, Cheryl, and I've got houses in our investment pot. Some of them are a bit ugly. Would mm. I buy them again today? No, probably not. Would you not? Probably not. I mean, it's a bit like Anne Horton, our good friend Anne Horton, said mm. that the thing about property, if you keep it over time, it grows out like a bad haircut. You yes, know, it'll turn yes. Um, it's a very slow-growing mm. um, process mm. up in northeast Manchester. Mm. So, um,
0: But I'm betting they're not worth £35,000 anymore.
1: No, they're not. No, you're absolutely right. But we haven't had the growth that we've had in the southeast over mm. the last mm. four or five years. Mm. Um, we bought between us. There's, between us, there's around 50 houses we bought uh, in and around North Manchester. If I'm honest, very little capital growth there since 2007. Everything mm. dropped. Mm. It's just about now Mm. got back to 2007 values. Mm. Instead of 50 houses up there, if we bought five in London or in Brighton mm. at the same point, uh, where will we be now? Significantly ahead.
0: Now, this is very interesting. We could have a good debate here, and maybe we could start a, a bit of a debate, because my thoughts listening to you are that's all well and good, but you can't necessarily spend the capital growth, but presumably you are making a very decent cash flow from the yield of those properties. Absolutely. So it all depends on what you're buying for. But I, I understand because I'm in the same position I bought up in the northeast. Capital growth has been sluggish and that's been kind since the, the recession, 2007, 2008. But I keep telling myself because it's true, I bought for cash flow.
1: Well, originally, of course, I didn't
0: because
1: I didn't know what I didn't know. Okay. So I had this picture in my head of property... Doubling every 10 years. You know, I think there's mm. an EU directive to that effect. Or <laughs> like that. Um, and of course, it didn't happen. So the idea in my head was I would buy 20, mm. they'd double in value, I'd sell off 10, pay off all the mortgages, so I'd have 10 debt free, Yeah. and that would produce the cash flow. Yeah. But I really bought for capital, I was still buy it for capital growth. The cash flow thing happened by accident. Uh, in 2008, 3rd of December 2008 was a very crucial date in my life, Peter.
0: Okay, well you can remember it, so what yeah. happened, David? It was my birthday.
1: Okay. Uh, but in addition to that, it was a <laughs> Thursday, and um, the Bank of England Monetary Committee met and they cut interest rates by one and a half percent that I day. I remember, I remember.
0: Yeah, that was the day. I went running downstairs to tell my wife because I'm a nerdy person. She couldn't believe it. She said she thought there'd been an accident upstairs or something. Yeah. I was running downstairs, hooping and wallowing. And she waved my arms around saying, they've cut rates by one and a half percent. Cash flow's going up. On one
1: day, I I ran round and round in circles in the kitchen like you did for for 20 minutes. And then I stopped dead and thought, gosh, what sort of trouble are we in? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) And now we know. Yeah. Um, But that one and a half percent was about worth four grand a month to me.
0: Fantastic.
1: Uh, you know, it was the difference between the last flight to Venezuela and then having s- significant cash flow in your life. Yeah, basically.
0: right. So did that change your philosophy and your outlook when yes. it came to property? Yes. Did you suddenly think, mm, actually, maybe it's not all about capital growth and I don't want five in Brighton. I'm now coining it in, you know, the, the cash is flowing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was always hard to buy in London and Brighton. Whatever period you buy, yeah, it's all, there's always a hurdle... It's always expensive, it always you're always pushed to get cash flow sufficient to service your your loan, service charges, whatever it is that you bought, ground rent, if it's a flat, that sort yeah. of thing. It's yeah. always there. But up north, uh, you can make the cash flow work for you.
0: Mm. Now, it's interesting, because it sounds like you almost stumbled into the strategy slightly by mistake. Agreed. And it might have saved you from something worse, actually, because I think, is it podcast 24? Where we covered, should you pay off your mortgages? <laughs> so, and I think there's really good arguments against paying off your mortgages and, and not going down the route you were suggesting. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's going to be different for everybody, but as a general rule, probably shouldn't. So, and, and my
1: philosophy on that has completely changed. So, um, Mrs. S and myself before would have gone for pay down the mortgage option. Yeah. Now we're quite happy to keep loan to value. Between 40 and 50% is a really solid place yep. to be. Yep. Um, it gives you the option, because you're borrowing less money, so your repayments go down, you could even switch to the old repayment mortgage, yep. keep paying down. When you get to 40%, remortgage to 50%. Yeah, It's never going to threaten your portfolio Low. at that level. No,
0: absolutely. absolutely. So you've got a load of properties up north which are giving you cash flow. you suddenly realised one day that you've got all this cash flow coming in. What happened next? I lost my way a bit,
1: 2009 to 2012, 13. I didn't know what to do, Peter. If I'm completely honest, I didn't know what to do. Again, I was very isolated. Mm. Not getting any network, any wisdom from friends who knew. So we started getting emails from Progressive Property. Mm. Uh, I think we've all been through that process. I obviously registered for something online. I was receiving the emails, and I read them with interest. I mean, I was interested. I wanted to come and have a look. And what swung it was my wife retired in the interim. Um, she had like quite a big job, but she took early retirement. And she was looking for something to do. And she, we had in our heads that she could replicate in and around Brighton, because it was local for her where she lived, kind of what we were doing in Manchester. Mm. And so she came with me. We spent three days. Hmm. Uh, 24th of January 2014.
0: Gosh, you remember the dates and everything.
1: My first... Well, I do, because Anne Halton was there. Yeah. The wonderful Anne Halton
0: was there. My co-trainer on masterclass. Absolutely.
1: How could I forget, Peter? So during the coffee and biscuit break, I met Anne Halton. Our eyes met over a custard cream. (laughs) And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Um, So... um, we did try it. Cheryl went back pretty motivated. She'd listened to Rob and the Goldmine area and all that sort of stuff and took doughnuts into our local estate agents, uh, got offered loads and loads of stuff. One or two proposals of marriage, I understand as well. <laughs> Gentlemen of a certain age. Um, but it, it didn't cash flow. You know, it's a significant investment. And because I've now sort of moved my barometer to look at cash flow instead of capital growth, mm. It, it, we just found it hard. Yards, a straight buy to let in mm. Brighton mm. Uh, didn't cash flow. In some respects, we were it, sorry. In some instances, we'd even have to put money in mm. on a monthly basis mm. to make the thing work. Mm. And clearly, that's not that's not what we're supposed to. It's certainly not what we're taught a progressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, just putting that on pause for a moment and just sort of taking a bit of a loop back, because you went through this period of. Three, four, five years where you didn't do a lot. And I seem to remember from hearing you on stage that you kind of refer to this as the loose women period of your life, which is a reference to watching the television program as opposed to any extramarital activities that you're engaged in. Obviously, obviously, Peter, I'm glad yeah. you clarified but, that. Yeah. yeah. So, what, why was that? Have you found this winning formula where you got 50 odd buy to and I presume they're all buy Yeah. And it's working their cash flowing. Why yep. did you just sit there watching loose women? all day and not actually keep building a portfolio to 100 or 200 or 600? Because I didn't know what I didn't know. So
1: because we were taught, self-taught, forgive me, Mm. self-taught, we Mm. didn't have access to this community, to training. The way we always did it was we saved a deposit and we went to a bank to lend us mortgages, buy a house and then we'd save another deposit. Mm. The credit crunch, the withdrawal of the banks from the market just made that too difficult. There were certain lenders that we favoured, for what reason, I'm not sure, over the years. Um, If you had more than nine mortgages with them, you couldn't lend. Then they reduced that to, I think it's three. Mm. We have more than three Mm. with these particular, they Mm. wouldn't lend. Mm. So new lenders weren't interested because we were... On the face of it, professional and in inverted commas landlords. Mm. There was no independent income coming, so mm. the whole lending criteria got different, mm. got difficult, and I didn't know that there were other ways of funding
0: mm. these things. Mm.
1: I thought I had to do it through a mortgage.
0: Okay, so looping back again forward, yep. Cheryl's looking around Brighton. Yep, she's realised you're not going to get an eight or nine or ten percent yield. Yep, more like sort of three or four. If that, if, if yeah, that, if the cash flow not there. So what happened next? Obviously, you didn't stop. Persistence is a key thing for success in property, I I think. You obviously carried on. What was the next stage?
1: Well, Shelley went back to the gym. Right. She and the cappuccino girls, they meet up at 8.30 on a regular basis. Uh, And I, from that first Multiple Streams event, I was actually, actually blessed because on a Saturday afternoon, Rob Moore presented the deal packaging slot, Uh how you could generate big lumps of cash Mm. for a tiny, tiny investment. Mm. And I ran to the team and asked to join. And I went through all the training and I started a deal packaging business focusing on selling cash flowing investments in the north of England Mm. to cash rich investors Mm. who are in the south of England.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. A strategy, which at Progressive we suggest everybody looks into and everybody should actually be applying because there's always going to be deals which we can't buy but which might be suitable for somebody else. Yeah. yeah. So, is this buy-to-lets still or have we moved on yet? Well, it is buy-to-lets, mm.
1: but um, I like to give people what they want. Okay. So I was not, for instance, an HMO landlord. Mm. I was a single-let buy-to-let landlord. Mm. But people wanted cash flow, but then they wanted even more cash flow. Mm. They wanted big returns. And HMOs were the fashionable trend, the, mm. the the strategy people wanted to pursue. So I had to educate myself in HMOs because cash-rich investors in the south of England wanted HMO returns mm. from their properties in the north. And I went through that learning curve started producing houses, multiple occupation, generally for blue collar working people near to infrastructure like hospitals, schools, big employers, that sort of thing. Mm. And it was hard yards, Peter, the first one or two, if I'm honest, uh, I'm not proud of, you know, it was a, a learning curve. We're on version seven now, I'm very proud mm. of version seven. Oh, okay. We've got it right now. Okay. Three shades of grey. <laughs> Elephant's Breath, All right. Cornflower White, I can't remember what the last one was, right. but we're all in on this stuff. So
0: you've got a system and a process. Cookie cutter system and yeah. process. You don't have to think about what the colour's going to be, it's already in the manual. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So version one you're not too proud of, but version one still exists, Version hasn't one, been trashed by the tenants, hasn't been burnt down, hasn't, and, and hasn't and been repossessed.
1: It's very interesting because one or two of our favourite investors Went through that version one period with us. yeah. And uh, recently I got a phone call from one of them saying, that, that that HMO thing, yeah, have you got any more? Can we do another one? I said, why would you want to do that? You know, with all the pain and aggravation you got from the first one. She said, well, I look at the cash flow every month. It's cash flow in 2,800 pounds a month. Mm. Why would I not want to do yeah, another
0: one? Absolutely. You can go through a lot of pain for 2,800 pounds a month, can't you? D-
1: absolutely. And and she's shown, I think you can have problems in property. We all get problems in property. It's how you respond to those problems, how you Mm. react. Totally. Take responsibility. Put it right. Yeah. Insofar as you can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Property is simple. The principles are simple. Is it easy? Not necessarily. Not always. No. no. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to have bumps along the way. But, you know, that's how we earn our money, David, as investors. By being able to endure the pain and push through. But I've got to ask this, because this might help listeners. What, what was it that made version one so uncomfortable for you? What, what were the mistakes that we could all avoid, perhaps from your experience?
1: I think builders. So we only work now with three builders in Manchester, and they're not the type of builders you would think I would obviously work with. They are actually bigger than the type of builders you might think I would work with. Um, they're medium-sized firms, one large firm, and um, the reason that I finished up working with them is that small builders were too much of a challenge to work with. They, they let you down, they didn't know what they said they knew. If you're asking uh, a small builder in Oldham to refurb a terrace property, they've been in hundreds of those. They think they know it inside out, but actually what we were doing was quite complex you're trying to put five ensuite rooms into a two-up, two-down terrace, that is quite complex. They couldn't do it. Basically, they couldn't. Uh, there were issues like project management. I'm not a project manager. If you go to a medium-sized firm, they have internally their own project management. You know, I wanted to go to a firm that basically I could give them a set of keys week one and pick up the new keys week 18 or whatever. And that's where we are now, VAT. VAT, (laughs) the small builder in Oldham, if he wants to pay VAT at all, uh, his wife does his books and he will charge you 20% VAT, because his wife knows 20% VAT. With the bigger builders, they understand that parts of the refurbishment might be charged at 5% as opposed to 20%. You don't have to go through that education. They know it already. So... um, to answer your question directly, why is version seven better? Because of the builders who are producing the
0: job. Definitely. Okay. Interesting, very interesting. And a question that occurs to me, and possibly some of the listeners are th- wondering this as well, if you're living in Brighton, how were you project managing it anyway?
1: Right, well, I'm not a project manager. And actually,
0: I, let's make it wider. How did you find the deals as well? How did we find the deal? Well, how, how did you do it all remotely? From a distance of 200 miles or whatever it is okay cool so
1: we have a presence there I mean either the other David remember him yep. or myself yeah would be in Manchester you know maybe a couple of weeks out of the four in every month but we've been up there since 2004 so we've got a network we've got a team we've got boots on the ground we've had to find letting professionals uh, odd job men, builders of all description, um, everything that we need to run our portfolio, remembering we've got fifty odd units up there, plus any investor clients that are coming, you know, they have access to our boots on the ground, our team. The team changes. People come and go. Always difficult when people move on. You have to find replacements. And that's the main challenge. But I, I have been since I've come to progressive, I've been absolutely determined not to have to go and stand there every day, literally, literally watching paint dry.
0: Mm, you know, yes.
1: to, to to get these projects over the line. Yes. So. Okay. That's what we've done.
0: So, because of w- what your market wanted, because of the client demand, you moved into the HMO market, and you've now got systems and processes in place to make that successful. Absolutely. So, are there now HMOs in the Siegler portfolio?
1: Uh, I have one or two, but only, uh, I'm basically a heart a single la- landlord, mm. Mm. so you might recall that I said some of the stuff I bought in I wouldn't buy again. Mm. The reason I wouldn't buy again is too small a footprint, mm. they're in the wrong place, they're not near infrastructure, mm. that's not how we roll. Um, I have, with respect to my own portfolio, increased the rent roll significantly. The last 15 months, for instance, I went on Paul Smith's service accommodation course. Mm. We've introduced those techniques into our business. Mm. So I'm kind of getting HMO returns now on some, but not all, Mm. of my uh, single lets.
0: Excellent. Excellent. But your business now isn't obviously just the portfolio you're sourcing for clients. I That's mean, the, main got, this, this the main part. Main part deal, of my Main part in terms of the time, or main part in terms of the money, or both, or is that too personal a question? No,
1: uh, it's not too personal a question. It's the main time. Uh, it's the main part in in, in respect to time, mm. and also money. Yes. The management of my portfolio is very hands off, mm. really. Mm. Got lettings professionals letting the uh, single lets and a few HMOs that are there. And in terms of the service stuff, I have Natalie, Mm. uh, without whom I couldn't function. Mm. She does everything. I don't do anything. Mm. I don't meet any clients, I don't deal with Booking.com, I don't don't do any of that stuff. Um, She does it all.
0: Yeah, and that's the way it should be, of course. Our very own Rob Moore talks about leveraging everything out and systemising everything, outsourcing. And that's what we kind of aspire to. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Page 91 to 127 of Life Leverage, There you go. There we are. Life-changing stuff.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. So the deal packaging. Now, again, sort of referring back to seeing you on stage talking about this, you've made some amazing money through deal packaging. When you went running to join, when you went to the multiple streams of property income and the offer was made and you wanted to go to the deal packaging course, you couldn't have dreamt, could you, of what was going to happen? I'm, I mean, that, that really was life-changing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, the the whole progressive experience has been life-changing. Mm. I mean, how how would I imagine I'd be sitting here talking to you, recording mm. this conversation? Mm. You know, why, why would we do that? Mm. I was just a delegate in the room. Mm. So, uh, yes, we've done pretty well. Um, deal packaging has been good to us. Mm. Um, we're looking to evolve. Mm. We don't want to... We want to respect the early adopters, people who came with us early for the area who have purchased HMO projects. And we have to be acutely aware that we don't want to take away tenant supply. We want to make sure there's enough demand for the rooms. Mm. So we're always looking for the next thing, mm. where we're going to go next. Mm. Um, I've, I've tried very hard. I've looked very closely at packaging service accommodation type units. Mm. There's a lot of moving parts in serviced accommodation. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not completely confident that my investor clients uh, will be getting the best value. We we need to look at um, the situation where the government flicks a switch and we can't do it anymore. Mm. Maybe that mm. could happen. Mm. So we need to. It needs to work as a single lap, mm. and then it's a very different return. Yeah. So. I I haven't packaged any serviced accommodation at this point uh, because I need to be confident of the model.
0: But HMOs, single lets, that's still ongoing. That goes on and on. Yeah, and you're a a single let man at heart, a bit like myself. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a need for single lets, despite the fact that we've been told that buy-to-lets dead, obviously not within these four walls at Progressive, but outside to the the masses, they think that buy-to-lets dead because of the changes. There's a need maybe for somebody like you to be producing good quality single-let buy-to-lets that work. And people can see that. Uh, that I have, self-evidently work.
1: I have no voids today. Sitting mm. here today, I have mm. no voids in my property portfolio.
0: And how do you manage that?
1: Uh, the letting professionals that I work with, whether they be in Manchester or in Portsmouth, don't mm. forget those. Mm. Um, there's just demand. People mm. want places to live. Mm. So the, there's, the demand is real. Yeah. Oh, we've got our challenges, I, I understand. Tax regimes are going to change and stuff like that. But I'm not really worried about that, Peter. I've done mm. the arithmetic, I know what mm. the potential issues are. And it's inconvenient, mm. it's not a disaster. But you, know, you and I got through 2008. Mm. I'm not really worried about 2018. Mm. You know, if mm. We got through
0: 2008. Mm. OK. So, as you say, don't forget the Portsmouth properties. So you left us with a tantalising hook about half an hour ago. Where you said that what you learned at Progressive helped you to do stuff to your flats over the shops and make a bit of extra cash flow or extra money or extra value. Yep. What, what was it that you learned and what did you do?
1: Well, we're all in on serviced accommodation down there. So oh, okay. we own the building's freehold. Yep. They are unencumbered. I don't have to worry about lenders. Uh, I speak to the council about letting out uh, full. Properties like uh, the whole property, not by the room. Mm. And were there any planning issues? There are no planning issues. They're quite happy at this point. Um, so we can do whatever we like there. Mm. Mm. And on that basis, we're, we're filling them on a service basis. We're getting into contractors locally now. I've had this weekend, this weekend, a payment of £5,400 for one flat mm-hmm. in Haven. Mm. We used to get about £600 a month for that flat. Mm. You know, that's for... Uh, about a nine, ten week uh, occupancy. Mm. So uh, we're all in on that stuff, mm. but I'm very, very cautious about where I do it and how I do it. Mm. It's got to be done by the book.
0: Mm. Okay, well, that's brilliant, isn't it? Staggering numbers.
1: Staggering numbers. I mean, my rent roll, without adding any properties at all, since mm. I came to Progressive, and I give mm. credit to Progressive and mm. people who've taught me, it's gone from roughly roughly net-net three, three and a half grand a month, mm. which is a significant figure. Mm. You know, people, mm. you know, the national wage in the UK mm. is a little bit lower than that, so mm. I'm not, not pooing three and a half grand a month. But now, depending on occupancy, I've got it up towards 10 grand a month. Mm. Same Amazing. houses, same yeah. properties.
0: No extra properties? No. Wow, mm. fantastic. It is. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening who's just starting out, David, man of your experience, didn't primarily start in property, but kind of ended up there by accident almost. Looking back now, what would be the biggest sort of lessons that you've learned, and what would be sort of like a key piece of advice that you'd give to somebody starting out now?
1: Yes, the lessons, the key lessons to learn are, you have lessons to learn. Okay. You do, you don't know it all. There are things there that you don't know that you don't know. Mm. And uh, when I came to that first Multiple Streams event, Mm. such smart people coming across the stage, sharing what they know. I didn't know you could do half that stuff. Mm. And it's moved on now. So absolutely, I I mean, why would I say anything else? Absolutely come to Peterborough. Come to Progressive. Come to the Multiple Streams of Property Income event. Mm. Uh, It is the best way to get an overview. And you meet such fantastic people. Mm. I met people... That first weekend, you say I remember the day clearly, but I do because of the people I met. I mean, we've already mentioned Anne Halton. It Mm. was her first multiple streams.
0: Andy Cook and Lloyd Girardi. Yeah, well, they're big names in the progressive community, doing very well in build to let. Absolutely, and they sat in front of me Mm. uh, at multiple streams. They told us
1: they were builders from Northampton, which Mm. I I suppose was technically true, Mm. Uh, but it was their first multiple streams. Mm. Uh, Rob Stewart, who you and I know, uh, Rob hosted VIP for he did. a long yeah. a long yeah, time. Very successful it was his from the Northwest. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was his first multiple streams. Um, he ran off to join VIP. I ran off to join the deal packaging. Hmm. Um, so you never know who you're gonna meet in that room now. Always and every multiple streams, and I've done a few now, haven't added it out, but I've done a few multiple streams events now, there's always people like that in the room. Hmm. Always interesting people. Hmm in the room, you never know who you're going to meet,
0: mm. so so, come. The, so the key piece of advice is be here, come. be a part yeah. of it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. book
1: the premiere in for yeah. two three days, mm. come and park the car and just listen, just meet people. Mm.
0: I think that is so important David, from my own point of view, being in property for so long, like you, I came about four years ago. And people quite often say to me, well, as a charter surveyor, 35 years experience, what on earth are you doing hanging around Progressive? But the point is that you've got to keep yourself in to hear what's going on, to pick up what the latest strategies are. It's is ever moving, ever evolving, and you can't really keep tabs on it. As an individual, as a community, we can do that. And this sort of disseminates through. So now I fully, fully accept that and fully understand that.
1: Yeah, I mean, HMOs uh, have, have completely changed my life in the sense that sourcing them for other people mm. has become a, a, a big income earner for me, mm. and I've learned so much about how to do it. Mm. And when I came to uh, Progressive, I couldn't even spell HMOP. Was, it wasn't <laughs> even on my horizon. Yes. You know, it wasn't yes. something that I wanted to do. Yeah. I had this picture in my head of sort of... A, bit of a grubby business they're all a bit mm. you know um, down that hill and beige and and our places are just immaculate I'm so proud of them mm. you know when they're dressed and made up they, mm. and they rent we've put we've actually moved the ceiling rents in Oldham mm. so when we started out 90 was the maximum would we get 90.
0: 90 pounds a week.
1: 90 pounds a week yeah we've now rented rooms at 140 pounds a week. 130. Yeah. One ten to one twenty five is the norm for yes. a regular ten square meter room
0: with yeah. non suites. Yeah. And what would the equivalent buy to let rent be? Is it four fifty a month?
1: Yeah, four hundred, four fifty a month. Right. Yeah. So you're
0: getting hundred and thirty per room, five rooms six fifty or six fifty a week, week as opposed to four fifty a month. Yeah. For it's essentially the same house but You've obviously just configured that's, it to be a HMO rather than a buy flat. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So instead of five and a half grand a year, mm. we're pushing 30 grand a year. Mm. You remember, well, that, that's a significant difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you, I didn't know that kind of stuff was really going on until I came here, Yeah. despite my background. Because as you say, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So... You also had the big big problem of the builders when you started. Oh. But looking back, just so we can all learn, what do you think is possibly your biggest mistake? Which, if you could not do it the next time round, what would it be? What, what should we be avoiding that maybe you didn't?
1: Well, other than working with my business partner, David, for the last 25 years, that's clearly pains me on a daily basis. Does it? <laughs> is he going to listen to this? Can you, you tell us why? The, 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 with, with, I hope he'll listen, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, My biggest mistake is not doing more sooner. Mm. You know, I'm of a certain age now, I'm 62. I wish I was 42. Mm. It would make such a difference. Mm. You know, living in this community, working with these wonderful people, um, having a cup of tea with yourself, Peter, Mm. Dixie, and Anne, you can learn so much, Mm. right? And. I just don't want to run out of time. I'm quite cross about it, mm. you know. Mm. Will I be doing this when I'm 82? Mm. You know, I want to be doing it when I'm 82. Mm. Right? Realistically, I can see that might have a challenge. Mm. Um, so start sooner. Start now. Don't pull it off. Mm. Don't wait another year. Mm. You know, I would say that is absolutely the most important
0: thing to do. Because mm. there's always reasons not to do it, and you don't have to look very hard for those reasons not to do it. But everybody who Puts it off. I think eventually regrets not having done it, no matter how good the reasons for putting it off were at the time.
1: I have a pal who uh, is a bit older than me, Peter, and he's never bought an investment property. He he owns a house in which I live because it's always been the wrong time. Oh, he spoke to his accountant; it's the wrong time. He spoke to the bank manager; it's the wrong time. You know, it's, it's he's never quite, and he's never. Leverage the power of property that over time changes your whole financial situation. You know? mm. Somebody said to me once when I was a young man, uh, success in property, David, is as easy as falling off a log. The secret is you have to stay on the log long enough. Yes. Right? Yes. And he never, he never made that commitment. Now he struggles. His friend's going on holiday. He can't afford to go on holiday. Mm. He can't afford to be a seven-day member at the golf club. He can only be a five-day member. And all of these things in his life are holding him back, and it's because he always found uh, a reason not to do it. His favorite saying is that it, it, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a recession or not, really, it doesn't affect him because he struggles all the time. Oh, you know, it's <laughs> well, sad, he, isn't it? He struggles <laughs> to keep his head just below water. That's his favorite saying. Oh, but. dear. So, um, if he just bought something mm. 30 years ago, 20 yes. years ago. Yes would have changed his life.
0: Yes. Don't leave it,
1: get yeah. out there and do it.
0: Yeah, I really like that analogy about sitting on the log and just making sure you stay on the log long enough. And it gives if it gives you any comfort, not that you've asked me for any, <laughs> the fact that capital values might have been a bit sluggish in the Northwest since 2007, it's inevitable, isn't it? There's gonna be a lag behind the rest of the market. It would be strange if it didn't come good the relativities between the different parts of the country you imagine have got to be maintained. Otherwise, the North will become so cheap, everybody will just rush and buy it because it's so cheap, which will bring it all back up again. So I think that that log, the fact you're still sitting on it, you will see your capital growth, I would have thought. I would hope.
1: Well, I would think so, and affordability uh, makes it so attractive, because if you work for the big multiple employers, say Tesco's, Mm. Barclays Bank, whoever, Mm. Mm. Uh pay rates in the south of England are similar mm. to the north of England. Mm. There might be premiums for working in and around london but mm. but if you work for Tescos in the north, you earn similar money to you know, everything's so affordable in the northwest you'd mm. think that people mm. want to get into property
0: yeah, so I think you're going to be okay thanks Pete so will you be doing it in, what, in twenty years time do you think? oh did, I mean how, how do you see this going
1: i i I think you have to carry me out feet first I'll still keep turning up smiling. Yeah. Trying to learn, trying to implement all the new strategy. Who knows what we're going to be talking about next year? Yeah,
0: exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. The, the next new strategy is on its way.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited, mm. This is how I look when I'm excited. Yes. People can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am excited. There'll be something new, and I can't wait to see what it is. I'll be, I'll
0: be all in, whatever yeah. it is. And in the meantime, you're still training with Progressive. We'll see you at multiple streams of property income events deal packaging events, yeah, sharing I, your wisdom, knowledge, experience?
1: Well, I'm doing that, but I'm also, there's always more training to take on board. Mm. So I, I'm also a student, mm. you know. I, uh, I'm training with Progressive, not just for Progressive. I'm, mm. I'm learning every day. So I'm looking forward to pushing that on as well, because you just got to take one thing, you go on a training course, one thing mm. can earn you tens of thousands of pounds from that mm. course, just one mm. thing. Yeah. And
0: that's how I see it. So I'm all in on this stuff. Fantastic. And you're still deal packaging. Still deal packaging. Right. Are you looking for clients at the moment? If, you, Pete,
1: if you want to come to Oldham, we'll sort you out a nice little. Well, way I you know think if they, is everybody <laughs>
0: listening? Should they contact you or are, are the I'm, books full or have you got room for any more?
1: Always got room for one. one thing about Manchester there's no shortage of houses. Mm. So we'll sort something out. If anyone wants to contact me through the forum, I'm always on the Progressive Forum. Okay. Then uh, we'll talk. We we'll yeah. have. We'll have
0: coffee and cake. Okay, so there you are. There's an offer from David there. Coffee and cake. Contact him through the Progressive Facebook group. be the easiest way. PM him if you can. Invite him to be your friend. And he's a great friend to have, by the way. So you can't go wrong with that. And he might even find you a house in Manchester.
1: Oh, I'd love it. No, thank you, Peter. I really appreciate
0: that. That's fantastic. So, David, love speaking to you. I think we've probably come to the end of our time now. So thank you ever so much for dropping in today. And sharing your nuggets of wisdom with us.
1: What and a should, pleasure. No, thank you, Peter. I was just getting warmed up. Ask me again. <laughs> ask me again. I'll well, come we'll, and do it again. We'll
0: do it again in, in a few months' time and cool. see what you're up to when that, when that next new strategy starts and, Fabulous. and you're all over it. So, fantastic. Thank you ever so much, David Siegler, deal packager extraordinaire. Thank you ever so much for coming in. I've been Peter Jones. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. If you have any questions on property, if you have any subjects which you think will be good for a podcast, either private message me or send me something on Messenger or put something up on the Progressive Facebook group and we'll see it. And if it looks like a good subject which can benefit everybody, we may even do a podcast on it. But in the meantime, see you at the next podcast and here's to successful property investing.